Om. Namaste. Welcome. My name is Emily Perry, and this is the Essence of Yoga podcast. I'm a yoga teacher, acupuncturist, and herbalist based out of California. And my vision for this podcast is to share what I love about yoga and holistic healing with you. In some weeks, I'll be sharing stories or interviews. Um, some weeks, I'll be sharing teachings and um, practices for you to work with at home. I hope you enjoy this offering. And remember, you can always reach me at emilyperryyoga.com. And you can now find this podcast on iTunes. Just search for The Essence of Yoga Podcast. Let's dive in. Episode 4, Teaching a Better Yoga Class. This episode is geared towards yoga teachers and ways in which we can teach better yoga classes. So as yoga teachers, we all want to teach you know, these amazing transformative classes. And there's really an art to, to meeting students where they are and to working with what's in front of you, right? So who shows up, you know, what's happening with them, what's the energy of the class. Um, and that's assuming that that, you know, this podcast episode is assuming that that's already in your repertoire. So you're able to see what's happening in a class and adjust accordingly. And it's also assuming that you have, you know, some of the foundational teaching skills down, such as um, use of voice and um, using compassionate language, um, that sort of thing. Teaching a basic class in your lineage or in your style of yoga. Okay. So today I want to expand a little bit more beyond um, sort of like the basic teaching framework. And while this might apply a little bit more to vinyasa flow yoga, which is what I teach, um, you can certainly apply most of this to other types of yoga. So let's jump in. So first thing I want to mention would be connecting with students. So it seems obvious, um, but just taking the time to connect with your students um, as they come in and leave during class without interrupting the flow of their, of their practice. And also, connecting with students off the mat as well. And this helps you build a community. So right now in social media, we have all these great ways to connect with students off the mat, maybe through your email list or through social media or in person having tea or, or whatnot, working with um, your students in a way that seems appropriate for your community as well. Right? So just keeping that connection helps you build a community. Another thing I wanted to mention would be teaching from your own practice. So this seems, again, kind of like another obvious one, but I find that as people teach over the years, their own personal practice sometimes tends to fall away. And when we teach from our own practice, it really shows up um, in the class. Like people, it's a vibrant class. It's, people can tell you're totally passionate about what you're teaching. There's more of a dynamic nature to your teaching, so it's not always the same, but it's in the same kind of um, energy of what you teach, right? So there's a clear signature that people could recognize in your teaching, but it might start to um, oscillate or vary because what you work with in your own practice will oscillate and vary over the years, right? And so what I mean by teaching from your own practice doesn't necessarily mean taking others people, other people's classes, right? which is great. It's great to take other people's classes. It's great to practice sometimes with an online um, 
platform like Groker or um, some of those other platforms online. But what I mean here more is just getting on your mat by yourself in this space and working with flows of energy, working with a, you know, a certain sequence, working with um, the postures that you're really working on. So sometimes when you're in a classroom, you can't work on some of the variations that you're working on. And in a, someone else's class is not the place to be working on a sequence, right? So all these things happen in our own practice. The insight that we gain from our own meditation practice on the cushion, the insight that we gain from our own vinyasa or whatever practice you have on your mat, all those things show up in your teaching, right? They will naturally upwell and just and become a part of your teaching because it becomes integrated into who you are, into your practice. The mantras that you work with and all the insight that you you gain from your own personal practice can be those those jewels that you work with in your teachings. So those can be the same jewels that other people will resonate with, right? Because if it resonates for you, often it will resonate for others, right? Number three, journaling after teaching and practicing. So this is a way of recording what you're working with and what has come up for you. But it's also a great way to look back and see, oh, yeah, like if I worked with this you know, sequence for a while at home, or I was working on this, and then this happened, or this opened up, and you start to see connections in ways that you didn't see before. Also, working on um, playing with the sequence in a new theme, so this would be another item, um, playing with sequences that are um, themed differently than you usually do. So so you always work with, I don't know, like the yamas or something, right? Then maybe, maybe you start sequencing on something else, right? Maybe you start to weave a sequence that's around an energetic action or a chakra or and there's so many different ways to build a class, but maybe kind of jumping out of your box a little bit. And again, this comes back to your own study, your own self-study. Right? So what you're reading can then be woven in. You can theme around what you're reading or working with in your own self-studies, your own studies. And another way to sequence too, um, in a longer term, so not just within a class, but say in a longer format, would be to work through a series in a class. So maybe for a week you touch on a different chakra for all the seven classes that you're teaching, or maybe that one Monday class becomes like a series of Mondays where you touch on a different chakra, or maybe you take a mantra that you are working with and build on that for a sequence, or there's all these different ways that you can create a series um, so that people have a reason to keep coming, number one, and number two, because they want to see how it unfolds, right? And then number two, it also gives you structure for your teaching. So often, especially in um, vinyasa flow, which is what I teach, which isn't really that structured, right? So it's not like we have a primary series and a second series and third series like an ashtanga. It's not like um, uh, kundalini, which is very structured. You work these kriyas that are a structure or form. This can help give you, yourself a little bit of structure to play with, like so you have a little bit of a boundary. And often, as we learn with, say, when you're learning to write poetry, for example, if you give yourself structure, a little bit of form, 
then the creativity can fill the form. So it's like a little bit of that vessel to hold the space for the, the awesome creativity that's going to come out of it, right? So this structure of form that you give yourself for your for writing your classes or creating your classes will allow your creativity to fill the form. Right. Another way to think about that too is to um, give your teaching a little bit of a routine. So say every Sunday class that you teach, you do 108 rounds on a mala of like a mantra, or maybe every Sunday you teach the Gayatri mantra and you work with this idea of light in the sun and you, you really, you really work, you really work all these different ways that you can make that also not just a series, but like a, a constant in your teaching, like a, a constant for people to show up for. Another thing to think about would be thinking of adjustments in a new light. So hands-on assisting or adjusting, I like to think of adjustments as more of like assists. Um, and instead of correction, thinking about connection with your students. Um, so you're helping them connect to their practice. You're helping them connect to the energetic form of a posture. You're helping them connect. Um, maybe that means aligning to connect. Maybe that means deepening a posture to connect. So we're just really helping... Um, facilitate a moment in creating a connection between ourselves and the student as well. So adjustments, again, this could be a whole podcast within itself, but also, you know, thinking of adjustments is like, you know, do not harm, obviously, all those aspects of like, what's a safe adjustment, what's appropriate, you know, um, what's a good boundary, all that could be its own podcast. But when we're assisting students, often what we're really doing is just helping them explore the inner form of a posture in a new way. So the outer alignment helps the inner alignment, right? And then that gives them a deeper inner experience of a posture. Crafting a playlist to create an atmosphere that works with your theme is another way to bring a little life to your yoga teaching. And so by this I mean choosing songs with the tempo that works with your teaching style for that class. It doesn't have to be lyrics that match the theme. I mean, you don't want to go, some people do that and it really works well for them in the way they teach. For me, that would seem a little bit overboard, but it's you want to make it true to you and your personality and the style of yoga that you're teaching. So like a fire element class would be would require a vastly different playlist than a yin yoga playlist, right? So with a vinyasa flow class, often we have one to three or four or five peaks, right? You have all these different peaks and the, the waveform of your class might go up and dip and up and dip and there's a, a bit of an oscillation there. And so often you want your music to have some of that mirroring oscillation. So you would build a playlist according to what part of the class that song is in and what kind of energy you need and then how does that song match or flow with all the other songs that you're choosing, right? So um, there's a bit of an art to this. And it comes with practice. So making lots of playlists, you get, really, you get a lot better at it. And it starts to be true to your teaching and your teaching voice. A yin yoga class might not have that same sort of um, peak and valley, right? 
So you might have a different type of energy that you're looking for. And you can still create different um, focuses in those uh, playlists for yin. Um, in the same way, like maybe one's more electronic down tempo, one maybe one's more um, uplifting, high, higher um, frequency, you know, so there's ways to play with that. that um, but again, it comes with practice and so making a playlist um, often. So I used to, when I first started teaching, I'd make probably three or four playlists a week. And um, now I have a big library playlist. Some of them expire and you don't really use them anymore. But the practice of making playlists made it so that I can now quickly pretty much make a playlist that will go with if I, my, the class I'm teaching if I need a new one. And um, it becomes sort of like a, its own art form. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this episode was helpful. And please check out my article over on Yoga Anonymous. So if you check the show notes, you'll find a link there to my article about teaching about a yoga class. And there's a few more ideas in there that I go into in a bit more detail. Again, it's an honor to um, share this practice with you. Feel free to touch base with me at emilyperryyoga.com. You can find this podcast on iTunes. And you can also find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash emilyperryyoga, or on Instagram at emilyperryyoga. I've got workshops, retreats, and teacher trainings coming up, so I'd love to have you there. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Again, it's a great honor, and hope to be in touch with you soon. Om Namaste. Namaste.